Hello, my friends at Future Primitive. I am doing the first of my interviews with uh, speakers and presenters at Bioneers Conference this year entitled Breakdown to Breakthrough. And I am on the phone right now with Cami McBride, who is a herbalist. She is dedicated to reviving the art of home herbal care and nurturing awareness and empowerment for women in relation to their body cycles. She gives classes, writes books, and gives personal wellness consultations. So, Cami, would you tell us um, about you, the things you want our listeners to know, and also talk about your history of presenting at Bioneers in Marin. Yeah, good. Thank you, Joanna. Um, one of the things that I've been teaching herbal medicine for about 25 years, and um, what I really focus on is empowering people to um, revive the art of home herbal care. And it's something that all, if we just go back enough generations, you know, for me it was my great-grandmothers, some people it's their great-great-grandmothers, but all of us within our lineage and our heritage um, come from families that used herbs every day for health and wellness and prevention. I mean, my grandmother used to even poultice her animals. And, you know, over the past years, these past couple generations, we've just really become enamored with the whole pharmaceutical option. And sometimes it is it is. It is necessary to take pharmaceuticals, but when it comes to common everyday home ailments like headaches and stomach aches and aches and pains and scratches and just all these common things that people experience in their homes, we have the ability to take care of those things ourselves, and we can do it very inexpensively. We can do it with things that don't put chemicals into our water, and we can do it with things that don't cause the side effects of the, like the over-the-counter medications do. And so this is what I'm really interested in, is in reviving this art that lives within the home that children are raised with when they, they grow up and they can go out into the backyard and they can say, oh, I cut myself, I'm going to pick this plant, I'm going to put some plantain on my cut, or oh, so my son, he is seven years old, and when he has a stomachache, he says, oh, mom, I need some tea, and he goes out into the backyard and he picks his own tea. And it's just, it's so simple for the children to integrate and absorb if it's in their home already. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's, um, it's a really um, very, you know, simple, inexpensive way for us to take care of each other. And like I said, it's, you know, we, we the plants are all around us and, and are, it, it's, it's within all of our families, this memory of doing this. So speak about growing your own uh, leaves and plants for teas and remedies. Yeah, well, if you, even if you um, grow with pots, you can grow exactly what you need to take care of stomach aches, headaches, sore muscles. I mean, right now we're using herbs for growing pains. Again, my son is seven, and so he has growing pains, and he knows exactly which herb and he requests it, even in the middle of the night. Mom, Mom, I need St. John's Word. I'm having growing pains, you know. So it's a very simple thing. And if you're not interested in growing, there are lots of people who are growing 
that you can get your herbs from. And what I'm really interested in is establishing community pharmacy gardens so that not everybody is interested in growing herbs. I mean, if you are, it's, it can be so simple, even with just a few herbs. But if you're not, I mean, there's somebody in your community who is interested. Not everybody is a plant person. But we need community gardens. We need plants within every neighborhood that people can have access to. And it's all part of this movement of sustainability. You know, Bioneers is really focused on solutions, really looking to the earth to help us um, solve our problems and create solutions for healing and regeneration and renewal. And there's an incredible, you know, just absolutely thrilling movement happening right now of slow food and people growing their own food that have never even, you know, that have never grown their food before. Mm -hmm. People tearing up their front yards and planting gardens. And so this entire um, slow food, local um, movement for food is really slow, local, sustainable medicine is really in the same arena. Where you plant your tomatoes and your squash is the same place that you plant your pharmacy for your common ailments. And so all of this gardening that's happening, I see it as just people just need to take one more step and say, oh, I'm really interested in slow local food. I'm also really interested in slow local medicine. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So in a practical sense, can you speak more about community gardens for medicine from the earth and how that's coming along? Because it's very exciting. Yeah, it, it can be, you know, it can be a vacant lot. It can be, um, you're, you know, again, I know people that, you know, I mean, it is incredible when you drive into just kind of an average suburban neighborhood how much land is devoted to just kind of nondescript shrubby evergreens and grass and the amount of water that takes and fertilizer. And people don't realize when, you know, I mean, if we live in an area where, you know, it's like a lotted house, how much land we actually, how much land there is taken up in, in kind of just general landscaping yards. And it is so simple to just you know, lawns to forest and just pull up part of your lawn and your evergreen shrubbery and presto, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with just a few things and a little bit of input. Um, you, it's, it's just quite extraordinary what you have access to and how much it's worth. I mean, herbal medicine is starting to become, you know, it's costly to to go to the store and, and buy your medicines. And when you grow it in your front yard, it's, it's free, and there is land around us, and there are lots of places to, where we could just start um, planting things, even if it's just in a, like a, a four-by-four strip in your front lawn or a you know, two-by-eight strip in your front lawn, if that's the kind of place that you live. You know, it can be very, very simple. Let's uh, speak about uh, disease prevention through uh, Mother Earth and what she offers us. In a way, we've really kind of desecrated our relationship with the Earth. We're fertilizing and chemicals and GMO and just all the chemicals and all the things that we're using that destroy the, the soil and, and the, the living processes. 
really this you know we can come to it from oh I need to grow some fever few for my headaches and oh I need to grow some lavender for my backache and that's that's all that's really good and it's it's really a doorway to reclaiming our relationship with the green world and it's a doorway to coming back to the earth and saying oh yeah the earth is what gives me my food the earth is what gives me my medicine and what is it that nourishes that the sustainability of that cycle instead of just what can I get and what can I take and and here let me use these chemicals to push the 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 growth along further and it's it's really what I see happening it, it is a calling from the green world it is there the plants have so much to offer and we just forgot and we just have to get back out and sit under the tree and ask a question and wait for it to be answered so not only does the garden provide us with physical medicine that heals our cuts like with the plantain or the comfrey but when we garden when we sit in the garden when we take time to be there we are healed on multitudes of levels because we are re-establishing a relationship with with this green world that is really our mother and supports us and when we do that um we are healed on levels you know it may sound um just it is it is so deep and when when we start to experience it's it's really in a way it's beyond words and then also when we're in the garden we're and we're harvesting there's more community you start talking to people more about what you're harvesting and there's more community that's created because you're interfacing and rea- and relating around the harvest of the earth and so pretty soon it starts to affect your culture <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, you start to go, you start to one year that the, the the mugwort harvest is so over the top that nobody can believe it, and you decide to have a festival. <laughs> and in, instead of you know, like these these kind of like corporate festivals come in and say, oh well, in this region we're going to have a wine and cheese festival. Well, there's no wine grown in that festival. Nobody makes cheese. <laughs> you know? but but that's what we're going to do. You know, and that's how we're going to make money. It's like no, our festivals, our culture emerge. From the harvest and from, or, and from the relationship with the harvest. And mm-hmm. that starts to inform and create our culture. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> we need elderberry festivals. And, you know, I, somebody just told me about um, a, a Linden festival in France that's 200 and something years old. And, and for over 200 years, they celebrate when the Linden harvest comes and you know we we definitely have harvest festivals in this country and and to just really make that connection that it is the harvest it is what the earth does that that's what our celebrations and our rituals and our life how our life revolves um it it dictates it it's it's it shapes who we are and and what we do tammy mcbride Let's speak about menstruation, if you will, and women's body cycles. Yeah, I do a whole other level of work where, um, you know, under PMS, there's over 150 different symptoms that women, uh, 70% of American women, um, at one time or another, suffer um, one or more of these 150 symptoms that are categorized under PMS. And... um, you know, that, those symptoms are really the, the, the cry of the female body saying, 
create a new relationship with menstruation and really allow yourself to be sensitive, allow yourself to take time for this very transformational healing process that your body offers you each month and let go of the cultural imposing of drugging up and plugging up and pretending like nothing's happening. And so we we do a lot of work around this about um, how we initiate a girl into her first cycle in a healthy way instead of teaching her that nothing is really going on and it's no big deal and really honoring the girls as they come into this time and, and teaching them some body literacy, how to take care of their bodies, how to track their cycles, instead of just leaving them to the two-hour talk that they receive in their junior high school. And really, really uh, training our girls and giving them a body of knowledge to work with instead of leaving them to the culture and where they have to just figure it out for themselves. What are your thoughts about menopause? <laughs> well, I think, I think menopause, you know, it's, it's part of the female cycle of life. And it's, a, you know, just, as, just like when you go into um, menstruation, your, whole, your entire being is rewired. Your physical, mental, emotional, psychic bodies are rewired. And when you go through menopause, you get rewired again. And so it's a transformational time that um, needs midwifing, needs cocooning, needs support and nourishment and extra you know, it needs extra space in order for the woman to, for her body to go through that and to really give, give to the creative process that, that, emerges, that emerges from that, again, instead of pathologizing and giving the woman the, the support she needs to really go through that transformation. And I have, a, I have a new book out that's yes. Herbal Kitchen. Yes, yes. And it's really a wonderful book. It's it's called The Herbal Kitchen, and I wrote The Herbal Kitchen because all these years I've been teaching classes, and at the beginning of each class, I always ask everybody, do you use herbs? Do you, what do you know about herbal medicine? And so hundreds and hundreds of responses. The most common thing I would hear is, oh, I don't really know anything about herbal medicine. I don't, I don't know anything. But, oh, my God, I love basil, <laughs> or I love garlic, or I love rosemary. And so what I realize, again, I'm always looking for how to start where people are at, how to, not make her- how to demystify herbal medicine so it's not overwhelming. And so I just had this idea that I'm going to just start right there. And, and that all of these culinary herbs, your rosemary, sage, thyme, basil, all these things that everybody uses every day, they think that they're using them just for flavor. But these are highly medicinal plants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rosemary and basil are highly medicinal plants that people put into their food every day. But they think they don't know anything about herbal medicine. <laughs> but here they are using herbal medicine every day. And so what we do in the herbal kitchen is just really go into the medicinal properties of the spice rack. Coriander, cumin, thyme, dill, fennel, rosemary, all of these common spices that everybody who's listening or anybody that you know has in their kitchen. But we just forgot that we that we have an herbal, that we have an apothecary. It's not just to season, you know, oregano 
everybody uses it in their spaghetti sauce. Everybody. Uh-huh. And thyme. Everybody covers their chicken in thyme. And sage. Everybody stuffs their turkey with sage. It's not just for flavor. Those herbs are medicinal plants. When you use those herbs in your cooking, you are practicing prevention. You are using them in your food to, because of the, partly because of the flavor, but also because of the medicine that they contain. Yes, I agree. I, uh, I cured myself from candida with uh, oregano. Yeah, so it's real, it's real. Cami, what would you like to say in closing? And please take your time and a little moment to think and talk to our listeners. Talk to us in closing. Thank you. Yeah, if, you, if you're inspired by the plants, then just go for it. <laughs> Find a way, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you think, so many people think, oh, no, I just, I just have my rosemary and my sage. And, but really inquire into the plants that are in your life and look at what they do for you and, and really think about it and, and start to create a deeper relationship. You can say hello when you see the plants. You can ask them for things. You can pray for them to help you. It's, it's, it's not just this inert powder that's in your cupboard. It's a, plants are living creatures, and they bring a vibrational nature to our lives. And we can, if we start to acknowledge that more and relate to it like a friend, like saying hello and saying thank you and asking for them to help us, that those it, 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 the whole plant world wakes up to us in, on a different level. And, and it, it can, you know, it's just amazing how, how much they can guide your life and heal your life and, um, and bring pleasure and, and, you know, deliciousness. <laughs> and so it's, you know, just taking, taking the step to deep, make a conscious deepening with the, with the plant world. And then also if, if you're a mom or a grandma or a grandpa or you have children in your life and you're at all inspired by the plants or if you use plants, to, to allow the plants to become more alive in their lives. I mean, the, the plants are alive for many children, but to, to language it and give it a context and, and to um, have the children help you grow or harvest or have herbs on the table that they have access to, but just... Let, let the children start using, using the herbs and working with the herbs and making teas. We, have tea, we drink tea every day. And on our kitchen table, we have a, a Lazy Susan in the middle of the table. And I have like five or six salt shakers that are not filled with salt. <laughs> They're filled with cinnamon and cardamom and, um, you know, all dried powdered herbs. Uh, coriander and turmeric and paprika and so you know children can't keep their hands off it because it's in the middle of the table and it's right there and so they they pretty soon they they figure out that cinnamon doesn't go on on rice and and pretty soon they figure out wow I really like paprika on my potatoes and 
So at every meal, my son garnishes his food with his own herbs, and he picks out the herb and, and sprinkles it on. And so he, he already has developed a culinary awareness of what herbs pair with what foods and what herbs he likes. And, and you know, I don't go, oh, no, 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 don't put that herb there. Right. <laughs> he'll, fig- he'll figure it out. You know, he'll he'll figure it out, and he he'll he'll sprinkle away, and and he'll go, oh, I like that, or I don't like that, and so at a very young age, he has a his scentscape, his taste scape involves all of these plants, and those plants help you to digest your food. If your food is not well spiced, or if you don't have herbs and spices in your food, you don't digest your food as well. And so it's a good, good thing to learn. Thank you so much, Cammie. That was really wonderful. And uh, I look forward to meeting you at Bioneers. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs>